Hello everyone, my name is Annie Wilson, strength and conditioning coach and co-founder of Boxing Science and I'm very pleased and excited to be welcoming you to the very first Boxing Science podcast. Today, I couldn't have anybody else really on the show except for my partner in crime, Dr Alan Ruddock. Alan, how are you doing and how's uh, lockdown treating you? It's alright, <laughs> I don't mind it. It's just a challenge, isn't it? It's just another challenge, so it's just... How, how it is. Just got to deal with the situation, uh, get strategies in place to to make best of it what you can and overcome those challenges. 100%. And one of these things that I've been saying to a lot of strength and conditioning coaches is challenge yourself with a, a new project, a new goal. And that's why we've started the podcast today is because a lot of people have been asking for the podcast for quite a while. And when we're looking at our different types of social media through uh, the website, through uh, articles that we share um, on our newsletter, YouTube, and then our Instagram channels are absolutely firing. So it shows that a lot of our shorter content, bite-sized content, is the ones that people like to um, engage with, but kind of the longer content, people are interested in it, but maybe they haven't got the time to consume it or it's not a way that they want to consume it. So getting in a podcast form where people are on the move, they're in the gym or they're on the way to work when everybody's back at work, I think the podcast is a great way to transfer our knowledge in the best way possible, really. Yeah, exactly. And even you know, if you're on your one permitted exercise per day, just having a little stroll down by the canal, we know all about that, don't we? Then... Uh, then you know sticking these sticking your earphones in go and have a little little walk and what could be better than than uh, listening to us for a little bit we'll get a little bit of introduction of of who we are and what we do and then introduce like kind of what what's to be expected from the podcast so we're boxing science we're a sports science consultancy uh, organization that we do a lot of kind of physical training we do online content and we also do uh, our workshops uh, in coach education. So in terms of like boxing science, we're sports science. So that's strength and conditioning, nutrition, physiology, psychology. We do a lot of research as well. And we share this research across a whole range of different methods. So we mentioned the social media. We also got our online memberships where we've got kind of like physical or uh, online workshops. And then we do coach education as well. So we're teaching boxing coaches, strength and conditioning coaches and personal trainers on the methods that we've kind of researched in and experience in delivering it to hundreds of boxers over the years. So not only do we talk the talk, we also walk the walk as well. We've worked with world champions such as like Josh Taylor, uh, Billy Joe Saunders, uh, Kel Brook, Jamie McDonnell, and then a range of professional boxers as well. Jordan Gill, Anthony Fowler, Derek Chisora, uh, Nicola Adams, who ended up winning a world title as well. Um, we've got like aspiring professionals such as Carl Yousaf and Callum Beardo on the books. And then we've also had good links with England Boxing, which we've gave sports science uh, support to their youth squads going into European Games, Olympic uh, Youth Olympic Games as well, and then doing the coach education. Uh, so we've done like a number of workshops for England boxing coaches as well. Uh, 
dropped a few names there, but it's it's not a bad uh, resume. I think uh, I think it's important for people to know that not only do we do the research and we've we've got all this knowledge, but we've got the experience as well. Yeah, we've we've been fortunate really to have um, a lot of forward thinking coaches work with us and and support us as well um, along the way and 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 buying to what we do and and how we can help and and they I think they appreciate that um, we're, we've we've always got the athlete at the the forefront of our thinking and their best interests and you know I think that's paid off over time um, but yeah it's pretty good isn't it actually so we started this in 2014 and um, way back in 2012 we started working with Kel Brook and a few lads from from the Ingle gym Kid Galahad a little bit with Jordan Gill uh, back in the time and then uh, started working through um, professional boxing when there really wasn't a lot of of information out there about professional boxing and I was just doing standard tests based on endurance athletes um, and it wasn't great we were getting some some good information we have retained some of those tests but we weren't getting the type of uh, of data that was necessarily specific to boxing um, and at that time Danny was was coming through um, starting his masters and then by the January 2014 or so um, he was then thinking about beginning his research project for his master's uh, degree in sport and exercise science at Sheffield Hallam uh, and I was his supervisor and we decided to put a, a test battery together so we thought about a range of different tests that initially that uh, boxing coaches could use in their own gym um, and we thought very carefully about the, the tests that they could do and uh, ended up creating a, a whole test battery I think we had what do we have 30 boxes yeah 30 30 amateur boxes but we've ended up having about 500 pieces of t uh, testing data actually go into that database yeah so so we've we've built on that database year after year after year over the last um certainly collected a lot of data in the last four or five years we've probably got about 500 uh boxes um, collecting data in somewhere in our database. So we've got a, a really good insight as to, to what makes a, an excellent amateur boxer, an excellent professional boxer. And we've got standards um, that we try and look and, and meet um, whenever we test, test the, the guys and girls. We'll get into that a little bit more during the podcast and in future episodes as well. So there's boxing is like one of the most kind of complex sports to work in because you need to be fast, you need to be strong, but you also need to be unbelievably fit at the same time. And you're doing all this in a in a negative energy balance where, you know, an athlete has to make weight. So there's a lot of different challenges for like boxers and coaches to implement strength conditioning and sports science protocols. So in this pod in this podcast on a week by week basis, we're gonna be um, doing shows like this between myself and Alan. We're also going to be getting guest speakers in, getting different perspectives uh, from different roles, whether that's strength and conditioning, physiotherapy and nutrition as well. Uh, experts working with a range of world champions and obviously high level amateurs as well. And then we're also going to be sharing a lot of this information in bite-sized content in our Accelerated Performance series. So this is going to be like 10 to 20 minute 
knowledge, uh, like kind of bursts of information that you can just stick on in your exercise, on your way to work, uh, whenever you feel like it, 20 minutes condensed, working on like a, one particular subject. Like I say, it's a very complex area, very broad area, and we've got so much kind of knowledge and information to be able to share with you. So if you're interested, if we've sold it to you within the first 10 minutes, uh, please subscribe to us, whatever kind of podcast channel that you're on. If you're watching on YouTube, subscribe to the YouTube channel. And if you can, share it with your friends, your workout partners, and uh, anybody that would be interested in developing their kind of physical, physical and mental performance to suit boxing. And even if you're listening and you're into combat sports as well. So talk to me, Alan, a little bit more about your background, what your job actually entails, and a little bit more about how you got into boxing. You mentioned about getting 2012, working with Kel Brunk. Talk to me about kind of that process and where that process finished. So my background is as a physiologist. Uh, I've got a PhD in, in physiology and I've uh, worked at Sheffield Helm University as a lecturer there. Um, so primarily teaching students, undergraduate, uh, postgraduate, so those, those doing master's degrees uh, and uh, PhD students as well. Um, and so in 2012, we got a call from Eddie Hearn uh, that basically said, look, th this guy um, that's going to be a future world star has been in the life and death with someone who we really shouldn't have been. Um, this can't happen again. Um, I've, I've spoken to, to Dom Ingle and he says, uh, you guys are, are pretty good. You know what you're doing. Um, can you work with him? And we were like, eh, yeah, we'll give it a shot. Um, not really in knowing much at all about about this guy and, and who he was. Um, so we started working with with this 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 lad called Kel Brook. Um, and two years later he was I think it was two years later, um, he was world champion. And I'd fortunate enough to to travel with the the Ingle gym and the, the team to, to go out to Vegas and then go to LA where he won the world title and he was the first uh, um, uh, English boxer to travel to America and beat an unbeaten American boxer in 28 years. And it was, it was a fabulous performance, probably one of the best performances from uh, a UK boxer abroad um, in recent years. So it's a fan fantastic experience um, to go out there and, and, and work with them and, and, and do that. I'm really fortunate to be able to, to have that opportunity. And, you know, things have, have just snowballed since then, since then really, and um, looking forward to some some big challenges in the future. Uh, hopefully some, some big fights will get announced um, after all this coronavirus um, situation is resolved and, and we're all safe to go back to our, our normal work. Um, and even just, you know, just going back into getting back into the gym and, and, and seeing the lads train and working with them day to day uh, and seeing them push themselves because that, that's one of the most rewarding things. It's not just all about seeing the numbers and the, and the, the data on the paper, which is great and it's, and it, and it's nice to see um, and, it's good to, and it's good fun to do that. So most of the time we, we just feel like we're having fun really. We've got a lot of gadgets and gizmos and, and things that we can use and, and try out uh, 
and it is a lot of fun but it's also fantastic seeing the lads push themselves as, as hard as they can in every single session and you know overcome the challenges that they have got because they have got a lot of challenges and it's not as as easy as most people think it's very very tough it's a very very tough sport um physically and, and, and mentally um from all different angles a lot of pressure um but the way that they they approach their their trainer and um everything that goes with it is is absolutely fantastic to see and it's an inspiration you can take it forward into your life and take it forward to other aspects of your work as well um to to make sure you're working at that high level in everything that you do definitely inspiration they work very very hard uh, and that dedication you can kind of see that um through tv screens through watching their tra like little training montages on youtube and everything like that only that's scratching the surface once we've got into it but that's kind of like the first thing that actually attracted me to be working in boxing so my journey is a little bit different to alan's uh, into boxing because that's with boxing that's the first kind of kind of incentive for me to get into strength and conditioning in the first place so my background is i was a student uh, undergraduate student at Sheffield Harm University and I was a little bit like kind of lost in what I wanted to do with my sports science degree once it's over. Could, would I be in, like a nutritionist? Would I be a personal trainer um, with a degree? I didn't really know what strength and conditioning was and what I, what I wanted to do. The main thing that I was working towards is actually being a teacher but then I did a work placement and I found that being a teacher, a PE teacher, uh, wasn't for me that kind of like sparked the fire to work in strength and conditioning at the same time i'm watching youtube videos of alex ariza uh training manny pacquiao and amir khan and he never really saw like a a box of training this way and i just saw that and i thought that's what i want to do but the kind of opportunities of working in boxing isn't like what it is now um there's there, there wasn't kind of that road into boxing i'm not a boxer myself i don't come from boxing background so it's like how am i going to get into it so i focus on football i worked at sheffield united football club working with their academy players eventually worked with their first team players as well and just got a, a range of different um experiences in different sports i mean rugby league i've been working in golf for the last five years as well and then as Alan and Dave Hember started working with Cal Brook. I saw that opportunity there. So then I knew that I had to kind of work myself up and, and, and gain that experience. So late 2012, I bumped into a student boxer in the gym. Uh, he was wanting a one-to-one -one program. At Sheffield University, we kind of work with like um, student athletes and be able to give that bespoke service to either teams or kind of to one-to-one -one athletes. And I kind of said, look, I'm interested in boxing. I want to get more experience. Can I train you? And then from there, I met Brendan Warburton, who's the head coach of Sheffield City Boxing Club. And then I started training Callum Beardo and started working with like a few professional boxers. Started the Saturday morning session, combat conditioning, where it was a low cost uh, session, £3.50 a head. And we, we ended up like kind of like with within like several weeks having 20 to 30 boxers within a session and this was great but we weren't giving that bespoke service we weren't getting the kind of like the knowledge 
and the research that we needed. So we did the, the testing battery in 2014, where we worked out their, uh, their strength, their speed, their fitness, and worked out what it takes for their physical characteristics to be a successful boxer. And then from there, we told them what their strengths were, what the areas for improvement were, and what they need to do to work on their areas for improvement. And this grew into our consultancy uh, program where we started getting them coming in two or three times a week. This grew onto one-to-one -one and then uh, started like working with more professional boxers, um, Adam Etchers, middleweight boxer, he came onto the program, shortly followed by Jordan Gill, who's still on the program now. Uh, Sam Sheedy, who's an English uh, middleweight, uh, no, a Commonwealth middleweight champion. And, you know, we, we just kind of progressed from there and started getting bigger and bigger names. And then my opportunity came with Kid Galahad, uh, Kel Brook, uh, when he boxed uh, Golovkin. And to get that amount of experience when I was 25 years old, uh, has held me in good stead to where we are now and to be able to grow boxing science and, and share that knowledge and experience as well is a massive thing because the reason why I wanted to get into boxing is because, like I said, in 2012, we didn't really see where the research was. We didn't really see where the opportunities were. And I wanted to kind of have an impact on the wider boxing community to make it a better sport because I was working in football or working in rugby there was set processes in place. Whereas in boxing, they don't get to see a strength and conditioning coach unless they've got the money. Uh, most of that becomes when they, when they become a champion or near to being a world champion. Or if they get onto the GB boxing program where there's only about 20 boxers on there. So I wanted to give boxers the opportunity of getting the proper strength and conditioning in place so they can develop their, themselves athletically and physically as to go alongside their technical development as they go through schoolboys, youths and going into senior amateurs and then uh, turning professional. So that's why we started Boxing Science, started the website at the time. I don't know whether there's any other website like it at the moment, but we was the first kind of website dedicated to sports science in boxing, sharing a range of articles, videos on our YouTube channel. And then it's kind of grown from there where we've got the Boxing Science membership where we can get in guest speakers and do kind of longer, more in detailed content. And then now we're starting the podcast. So it's a, that's about seven, seven or eight years. I don't know how many minutes that were uh, summed up. But we were talking about the testing there, Alan. And we're going to talk about some of the things that we've found out from that testing from a physiology point of view in terms of fitness what have we found out about boxers what do they need to be able to be successful and what have we found like kind of what their training was like before and what does it look like now so a good place to start there to answer that question danny is traditionally when you think of boxing training you think of uh 5 a.m. long runs, uh, 10 mile slow plodders, um, really. Uh, you, you think of low intensity skipping. Uh, you think of, of people running with, with hoodies on, with weights in the hand, 
kind of your, your typical like like you might have seen Mayweather do or or still do that that kind of work that long slow work that's not not even that fast really um then you might see some kind of circuits thrown in there as well in terms of um working a little bit in in, in on strength and a little bit on conditioning in there um generally um not working too hard but but getting a bit of a sweat on and not doing not doing too much um so we get a a lot of time um spent doing low slow endurance work and then a little bit of time up getting a bit of a sweat on and and, and doing a little bit of harder work for a prolonged period of time so in terms of um, of conditioning traditionally you might see runs that last anywhere between an hour and two hours and circuits that might last anywhere between 45 minutes and and 60 minutes and and if you think about that time duration that the boxers are spending there you can't train so intense if the goal is to spend a lot of time running or spend a fair amount of time um, doing circuit training so what you get is adaptations over over time that are a, a bit like endurance athletes okay so so athletes that can run for a, a fairly long period of time um, and then can work at a, a kind of a single pace and, and a good at, at, at pace in it and you know that's that's just the way that that things have been for for tens of of years and and that's just traditional methods that have been have been passed down and have been successful um but what we know um over the past few years from the research that has been done um us that we're doing in-house work um speaking to some coaches that are at the forefront of performance um looking at the research that's been in the peer-reviewed literature, taking research from other combat sports as well and putting it all together. Boxing is not actually a single pace sport, certainly not in, in amateurs uh, and definitely not in professional. So what we were seeing is when we got our guys into the lab and onto the, onto the treadmill and hooked them up to our gas analyzers so we can see how much oxygen they're taking in and using, carbon dioxide that they're producing and, and the type of uh, energy or the, the type of fuel that they're using to create energy, we could see they were this, this, this typical endurance athlete. Um, we sometimes take a fingerprint blood sample from them to analyze lactate. And we can see that, that the guys that come on our program, first of all, they look like endurance athletes. Um, and and that's, that's just because the way they've trained um, traditionally and, and before. So if a, a boxer is, is coming onto the program, they'll, they'll typically have this, pro, uh, this profile and they'll, they'll have a kind of a, a same movement profile as well. And Daniel will talk about that in a bit. But um, the, the challenge for us is to take this athlete that's in a high intensity intermittent sport that requires explosive high force movements to take them from looking like an endurance athlete and trying to change their physiology so that they now look like a high intensity athlete and they're able to perform repeated high intensity 
activities because we know that's what contributes to success. So in terms of, of some of the challenges that we've seen, um, that's what we've observed in the lab. The challenge then is for us to create and implement training programs that will enable our athletes to go from being an endurance athlete to being more of an explosive athlete and creating a, a training system that's not just an 8, a 10 or 12 week training camp that is a, I think when we, when we first talked, when Jordan first came on the programme, we talked about a four year plan and I don't know how many years we're into this plan now, but he's been continually on the plan for years and years working through the system working through the process and his development has been phenomenal and you'll you'll see it in some of the the data that we've shared before as well when athletes are on the program for a number of years and they've worked through our systems and processes then their improvements from endurance athletes to high intensity athletes is is noticeable um, so there are there are challenges and then there's challenges within the challenges um, whether, whether what time it is in the camp what their body weight is how much energy they've got um, when they've got a big spa coming up there's so so many challenges but from a, a testing perspective that's what we've we've found initially guys that look like endurance athletes we need to change them to more high intensity explosive athletes how are we going to do that what's the best way we can we do that with the circumstances, the constraints and the situation that we're in? So Alan, you mentioned there about changing an athlete from an endurance athlete to high intensity athlete. What do them methods actually look like? So we'll use three main methods. Uh, and I'll cover these briefly because we're going to come on to this in a, in a later podcast. Um, but the, the first method that we'll use is sprint interval training, um, which is very short, high intensity efforts um, with a fairly long rest period. And that might be something like a, a 30 second maximum effort with, with three minute recovery, just four times to start with. It doesn't sound like a lot of work there and it's not a lot of work, but it, it is really, really intense and it's a very potent stimulus. The next method, um, is high intensity interval training. So what we're trying to do with this is, is change the way our athlete's heart works so they can deliver more oxygen to the working muscles. And if we can do that, then we can enable them to, um, to, to work at a higher intensity and do so repeatedly. Uh, and then the, the third main way that we, that we work on is, is something called muscle buffer training. So when you're working at a very high intensity, the muscles will get more and more acidic. So we need to uh, try and help our bodies by putting in place strategies to help um, our body deal with that acidosis. And there are three unique ways and there's ways within ways within ways to, to, to structure the training and focus on different things. But we do a, a, those three main areas are what we use to, to really try and shift our guys from looking like endurance athletes to, to making them more explosive, high-intensity athletes. Yeah. And there's nothing more kind of explosive and high-intensity than them 30-second uh, maximal sprints where you tell a, a boxer that, right, all you're going to do is run for 30 seconds and rest for three minutes. 
and the total session, you're only going to do two minutes of running, people start scratching their heads and thinking, well, that isn't going to make me fit. But obviously there's, there's methods behind the madness and we'll be sharing that in a future episode. But if you can't wait for that, there's a fantastic uh, video on our YouTube channel. If you just type in boxing science and then look for the 30 second maximal sprints, uh, we've got Vlad, Matty and Atif Shafiq that are basically putting the bodies on the line for uh, science, getting up to 22 millimole per litre of, uh, of uh, blood lactate scores, which is brutal because obviously we stop a lactate profile test when it gets to around about 10. So that's over double compared to what we'd stop a test at. Insane out there. The, 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 like what I'm saying is the, they really push themselves to the absolute limit every time and you need to have... To, it's not just a physical session, it's a mental session as well. Um, and it does take a bit of time to unlock that capability to push yourself that hard. But when you do it, the, the benefits are, are huge from a, from a physical and a mental perspective as well. So I'm going to go on a slight tangent here. We've talked about our programs, our methodologies. But what about, well, no, we've been in this sport I won't say a long time because there's people that have been in the sport a very long time. It feels it feels like we've been in it for ages, but you've been in it since 2012, where you got the call to work with Cal Brook, and you're kind of like, what what do I do with a boxer here? Um, what are the kind of changes that we've seen in strength and conditioning over the years, and how do you think this is benefiting boxing performance? I think... There have, there have been a number of real positive changes over the, the past few years. From, from a scientific perspective, I'll talk about that, there's now a lot more researchers, there's a lot more universities, um, private institutions that are, are doing more research, on not just on boxing, but on combat sports as well. And... All that research um, benefits us because we're able to, to, to cherry pick the best parts of that research and inform our own uh, strategies. And it's not just in, in, in combat sports as well as other diff different sports that we use and, and research from endurance sports as well. Um, so th that research like like anything that is becoming more and more abundant there's a a large rise in that amount of research and 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 that helps us to program and plan and implement things into our own uh into our own programs and and situations um but it also helps us to translate that information as well and cascade that down um to the number of of people that are now working as strength and conditioning coaches and sports scientists in uh, and nutritionists in boxing and combat sports and so over the, the last four or five years there's, there's been a, a huge growth in the number of of strength coaches and, and sports scientists and universities that are around the world and private institutions as well that are now involved in in combat sports and it's been fantastic to be able to have the opportunity to build links with with these 
individuals as well. And I think what we've done with Boxing Science as an organisation is, is I'm really proud that we've made it inclusive. So if anybody wants to ask us a question, fire away, ask us a question and we'll do our best to, to answer it. If you want to come up and, and watch us and do a strength training session, come along. If you want to come down to one of our workshops, then fantastic, come come down and, and have a chat with us and, and see how we work and really want to try and pass on that that knowledge that that we've got from working with high level boxers and from reading that often sometimes quite complex science and being able to to translate it um, across several formats into the people that are going to use it the most and and raise the standards and, and I, I think what we have seen is even though there has been an increase in the number of people working in in strength conditioning and sports science I think the quality of that work has improved as well. And we haven't seen a, a, a dilution of, of that approach. Uh, and, and I think a lot of people now uh, are, thank you very much for everyone for your support, but they are, they are now logging on to, to Boxing Science and, and the stuff that, that you do, Danny, um, on social media, on YouTube, and, and seeing the way that, that we work with, a range of different athletes and as you say overcome those challenges and, and people are recognizing now that you can't just give a a, a a generic program to some to a to a boxer and that'd be the same program that you would give to a footballer and each combat sport is different boxing is different to to all the other the combat sports out there and so that having Seeing, seeing the rising numbers, the, the, the rising understanding and knowledge that we've got and the improvement in quality and therefore the safety of the, the boxers at the end of the day because that's the most important and appreciation that they're not just a piece of meat that you can just throw around and, and, and just chuck in a programme and, and kill them and, and mess them up. You know, these, these are athletes that are, they're putting their health and their future on the line every time they take a punch and so having that knowledge and understanding and um, appreciation for safety at the forefront of people's thinking I think has, has really changed over the past few years what about yourself yeah I can only echo what what you're saying Alan because um, it has improved massively uh, there's many more strength and conditioning coaches involved with boxing and people that aren't coming necessarily from from boxing backgrounds as well are getting involved which is, I think is good because these people like before a lot of boxing uh, a lot of boxers and athletes and coaches would use a friend who knows a little bit about fitness um, knows a little bit about lifting weights now boxers are seeking out and boxing coaches are seeking out the experts, the nearest expert to them. And this is why we're seeing better quality strength conditioning and physiology being delivered. Um, testing and research, massive factor. Uh, when we started, uh, sorry, when, when yourself started with Cal Brook, not many athletes were actually doing these kind of tests, these fitness tests, uh, sports science and lab base. Now, You've seen it quite a lot. Um, I think University of Salford, you've got Scott Robinson, that's got his own lab. Uh, you see a load of different boxers going there. And also, boxers are proud of doing it as well. They're sharing it. And when you've seen like, people 
uh, like the top level professionals taking part in these training methods the only younger athletes are going to be like i want to do i want to be like that guy you know if you've seen um, callum, callum smith working with scott robinson making sure that it's getting nutrition right making sure it's strength condition right i know that a lot of kind of uh taller leaner boxers are like looking at like what how callum smith is making the weight and thinking wow i need to get a professional on board so 100% I think that it's it comes from the top end and everyone's doing well at the top end but that is filtering down. Um, Anthony Joshua is a great example as well. He takes his strength conditioning, his physiology, his physical preparation is very meticulous with it. Whenever I'm in the EIS working with England Boxing I take them over to the pictures of Anthony Joshua doing his stretches on the wall and I say if it's good enough for heavyweight champion of the world then it's good enough for for you to do so that's how i can get buy-in my next subject was to see basically what needs to be done in the near future and i'll talk to you more about kind of the research side what kind of things that we need to still find out but talking about kind of filtering it down that filter needs to get a little bit more accessible so a young athlete who's watching Anthony Joshua doing his uh, sports science testing, doing his strength conditioning, how is that going to be accessible to somebody that's 13 or 14 years old? And I think that that comes in in two in two ways. One, it comes into coaches buying and being able to set up uh, some sort of like kind of program that they can deliver within the gym, and then. What does that mean? It means that them coaches need to be educated as well. And that needs to come from uh, like kind of the national governing bodies. We have been in talks with England Boxing about helping to do that because strength and conditioning coaches, they're going to want to get paid to be able to um, develop it. But it's an amateur sport, so a lot of voluntary coaches are involved and they need to be be able to know the difference between right and wrong, what's safe and unsafe, and what's going to be the most effective training method. And I think if we can get something set up with England Boxing to educate the coaches, so then they're developing good practice within the gyms. I think another thing is is about nutrition. There needs to be something about like kind of making weight and making sure that young amateurs aren't getting into bad habits early on. So many times I've been asked about whether a young athletes should be like dropping down in weight. Not at all. They need to let their body grow. They don't need to be talk, like talking about weight cutting with young boxers and young athletes. You need to be talking about staying close to the weight, having healthy um, habits, being able to know the difference between a good source of protein and a bad source of protein how many carbs they should be having before training and after training, you know, what are good fats and what are bad fats, just knowing about the training, being responsible for what they put into their body as well and making sure that they're maintaining weight. So I'm going to talk to you now, Alan, about research, because this is your area. What are the things that we need to know more about uh, professional and amateur boxing? You know what, I'm thinking about research and and some of the, the 
the people that you mentioned there, like, like Scott, for example, I'm really proud that the UK is at the forefront of sports science, strength and conditioning in boxing. Um, and I think we've got some excellent practitioners out there and we've now got people that are doing the research and we've got people that are working with the athletes and the quality is there. And so I think um, one of the things that, that needs to happen now is that to, to be transitioned globally and, and seeing standards raised globally as well. In terms of research, where, where do you want me to start? We need to know almost every single area, almost every single single part of, of boxing from the bottom up, like you mentioned with, with the amateurs, what kind of nutritional knowledge do these young boxers have and how can we help them improve their nutritional knowledge, for example? Um, in a similar vein, um, how can we make uh, making weight safer? What we, We've got a questionnaire um, piece of research out there at the moment um, that's looking at rapid weight loss in amateur boxers. Um, but we need to know more about helping athletes stay safe, uh, enabling coaches to make good decisions, especially around make weight, or what, making weight and, and the strategies to do that. So you can look at young boxers, we can look at the safety aspects, and then we can start to look at performance um, as well. So there are, you know, we, we, we still don't know what it really takes to win. Um, and it's difficult to, to try and gather that objective, quantifiable evidence in a ring, in a true competitive situation. We can get coaches insights and um, we can get athletes insight and we can, we can take some, some basic measures, but we still don't know what, what truly makes uh, an elite performer an elite performer. Um, will we ever get to know? I don't know. Um, will we get to, how long will it take for us to get to that critical base level of knowledge where we can say, actually, we know quite a lot about boxing, um, probably 10, 15 years, if not, if not longer. Um, if you look at the, the parallels in football, um, you're probably looking about 2000, year 2000, there was research being done, early research, and it's only from, I'd say, 2015 and, and onwards over the last few years where that evidence base you would now consider to be substantial. Um, so it's going to take a lot of time. Research is hard. Um, it's very difficult to do. Um, it's very difficult to get participants. It's very difficult to analyse the data. Um, a good project will take minimum six months from inception to completion. Um, a very good project or a series of projects that build and build and build, you're talking about PhDs, and that's three years plus. Um, and then build that out, replicate that three or four times, and you can see the the, the challenges that, that we face there in terms of the, 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 the time duration. But from, from every single aspect, you can you can never know enough really. Um, but I think the three the three main areas are um, like mentioned with amateurs. Um, getting to understand that group, young amateurs, a, a lot more. 
um, and understand the challenges they face and how they need help and how they can be supported. What we can do to improve the safety of the sport, particularly around making weight. And then finally, what it takes to win, what makes an elite performer. And I haven't even touched on, on training because we need to know we need to know those three things first because we we're training every athlete's different they're an individual um, we can collect data on an individual level and we can analyze that data as, uh, as best we can so that they're not as challenging as gathering whole groups of of information and, and, and with with fairly large cohorts of of individuals so but i think certainly those three and and training is still important but yeah, big challenges. That's going to take a, a long time to um, to to pull through. Hundred percent. So we can like kind of kind of moan or complain and think that you know we're not doing enough kind of published research. But I think like we are in still very very early days. Like say with football, two thousand. Um, maybe a little bit before then because I know that Arsene Wenger. Arsenal that was like when kind of like the drinking culture of football kind of like started going away and that was about 96 so um, yeah a little bit before 2000 and that's like what 20 years ago now um, we're still very early on we we haven't got the resources like we have in football so it's going to take a little bit longer to be able to do but like I said Boone, all, we're, all what we're trying to do is not trying to revolutionize boxing because there's been many good champions and many fit and strong and powerful athletes in the past we're just trying to make that the strength conditioning methods more aligned to the scientific research and, and evidence and making sure that each camp is optimal and we're optimizing performance as much as we can and then making sure that they're safe as well making sure that they're not doing any kind of um, ill practices whether that's training or, or making weight as well so we're going to finish off uh, and this is going to be our, our weekly thing where we're going to be talking about the workshop of the week and the workshop of the week for this week is Alan Ruddock's high intensity conditioning for boxing so this featured in the combat conditioning conference uh, last year where Alan did an hour and 50 minutes worth of knowledge bombs on conditioning so if you want to find out more about kind of the conditioning methods that Alan discussed earlier uh, you've got an hour and 50 worth and it's probably the the most kind of in-depth piece of content that we've got as well do you want to explain a little bit more what what we're talking about to be honest I can't remember what I was talking about for an hour and 50 <laughs> I can't believe it. Now I knew it was long because he did it on on our level two workshop. Now they're looking at me like we've got like a strict schedule. And I'm like, Alan, how many slides you got left? And he goes, uh, forty, <laughs> forty slides left, and we'd already overrun by half an hour. So, yeah, it's a meaty one. Maybe visit in 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 two or three sections, but if you want to find out more about the physiology of boxing and how to condition a boxer, 100%, 100% you need to watch that. So you can access that on our Boxing Science membership. We're doing a seven day free trial. 
So you can get that workshop for free along with over 30 coaching workshops and 70 plus exercise video library and sorry 70 plus video exercise library and uh, we've got our SNC weekly workouts as well so that's seven day free trial then it's £8.99 a month fantastic kind of training and coaching resource so Alan we're gonna uh, we're gonna leave it there thank you very much for your contributions like I said to everybody um, this is a new concept we're going to be mastering our video and audio techniques and hopefully we're going to be bringing you some uh, great kind of bite-sized pieces of knowledge and experience we're going to be talking to a range of uh, different guest speakers as well working with world champions and amateur boxers all over the world and we're also going to be doing our Accelerate Performance Series where we're talking more in depth about certain specific areas and also we have our Q&A session as well. So a little bit later on this week on the podcast will be a Q&A session. If you've got any questions to feature in, in these Q&A sessions, please contact us, boxing.site at gmail.com or on our social media where at Boxing Science on Instagram. Also, where you can contact us directly at Dr. Ruddock underscore Boxing Science. Or is it? No, oh, I changed it. It's Ruddock. Ruddock underscore yeah. Boxing Science. It got too faffy, wasn't it? It was too long. Yeah. So, so sorry. sorry. Alan's is at Ruddock underscore Boxing Science. And mine is Wilson underscore Boxing Science. Next week, we're going to be talking about lockdown training. So, the different kind of training methods that we can be doing during lockdown. And we're gonna get this from my perspective as a strength conditioning coach, Alan's as a physiologist. We're gonna be having a snippet from a sports psychologist uh, called uh, Dr. Pete Olaserga, and he's gonna be talking about goal setting. And also we're gonna be talking to Jordan Gill and talking about his training uh, during lockdown. So we're getting it from all different perspectives, okay? Thanks very much. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. And if you're not a subscriber yet, please hit the subscribe button. If you can leave ourselves a rating, a comment, and then if you can share it with your friends, training partners, coaches, whoever will be interested, we'd be much appreciative. Okay, cheers guys. See you next week.